Hello, friends. On this episode, we had a little microphone snafu, and as a result, James's voice is crystal clear, and mine is a little echoey. So I'm sorry about that. I hope it doesn't bother you too much, and we will endeavor to bring you clearer audio on future programs. And now, on with the show. Hello, friends. I'm Matt Baum, and thanks for subscribing. The first 18 episodes of this podcast contain the full audiobook version of my book, Defining Marriage, and now every week we talk about what's happening with marriage equality and meatloaf and whatever else is in our weird minds. Uh, hi James, how are you? Oh no, you're not doing the baby voice oh, baby. podcast. No. Oh, baby doesn't like it. This, we've given people so, so many glimpses into our private lives, but this is one, this is a glimpse too far. I'm a boudoir baby. The boudoir baby cannot make an appearance. I'm coming out tonight, the boudoir it's not baby. Really even a baby voice. Gonna make it all right, boudoir baby. Google Gaga in me tonight. All right. Do you have a list of demands for you not to be making this voice anymore? What? 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 It can't be delivered in the baby voice. Baby wants one booby. All right. One lovey dovey. Yeah, one lovey dovey. A baby, a bobo, and a poopo. All right. Because Baby did a bad one. Baby needs a real bubble poopo. Okay. I'll get to work on those, and in the meantime, I'd like... Oh, Baby had a rough night. Let Baby talk. Oof. Baby did a bad one today. Where has the Baby been? Well, Baby was recording a podcast. I can't believe I'm yes-anding this. What? Go go on. Go on. Baby was in Kirkland. Recording Wait, uh, a podcast. Google Gaga. Am I the baby? Or is this? Are you making fun of me? Is this my voice? Because I was in Kirkland recording a podcast today. You too? <laughs> no, don't you dare. Google. You're simultaneously gaslighting and making fun of me. Bubu Baba. Okay. We have a lot of serious business to get to. Kakanana. All right. Kakanana. Okay. All right. Kakanana. I'm sorry. Google Gaga. We we have to talk about the Pope. What? <laughs> I know your favorite topic. Your old friend. My old friend, the Pope, how's he? Uh, he is speaking Latin. Uh-huh. He is wearing simpler shoes than his predecessor. Okay. Is he uh, wearing Keds? He's wearing Keds, yes. Or are they white vans? No, they're Skechers. Oh, uh, Skechers. So he can skate around the Vatican. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's the Poochie Pope. He's the Poochie Pope, yeah. He's going back to his planet eventually. He's got that curtain hair. Mm-hmm. Big sunglasses. He had some things to say this week about families and marriage. Like, and like babies? Like babies make a family. They do. Babies don't make a family. Babies are evidence of a family? You don't have a family until you have a baby. You have to get one okay. out of the garbage. All right. All right. What about a cat? Is that is that close enough to a baby? Mm, I think we'd need to go back to uh, Vatican II and see. <laughs> we used to have pet rats, you and I. Would that count as a family? Are, are rats the same as having a baby? I think they're pretty close. I think parents would be okay with us comparing having a baby to having a pet rat. Well, I never told you this, but I married them. <laughs> Do you mean you conducted a marriage ceremony for the rats? Yes. And they then were both they, male, so it was a gay marriage, wasn't I, it? I gay married the rats, and then <laughs> they brought me into their little triumvirate of sin. Oh. They had enormous balls. That's true. That is a medical fact, ladies and gentlemen. Rats have enormous balls. When James first saw these animals, this is years ago, when I got the rats without asking him, uh, James was like, I think there's something wrong with them. I think they need to go to the vet. Because, oh my god, these like the ratio of rat body to rat testicle is 
unreasonable. Pillowy, they're described as sometimes on the internet. They drag yes. behind them such that uh, they, they wear out the fur on the underside. That's true. Yeah. That's true. They are remarkable. Rat balls are amazing. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is how you get from the Pope to rat testicles. Mm-hmm. So It's uh, not as long of a line as you thought. You might not think. Yeah. 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 Uh, strange and twisting is are the mysteries, the ineffable mysteries of the universe. Make it in less than 12 parsecs. <laughs> so people had high hopes for this Pope. Did they? Uh, I didn't. Really? You didn't? You didn't? Like, after the last guy? You weren't like... I mean, the last guy was uh, not great. No. But I didn't think the new guy would be any better. Why did people think he'd be better? Well, so a couple things. One is he actually seems like a nice person. Sure. So, like, he did stuff like, after he was named Pope, he personally called up his newspaper delivery guy to be like, I'm not going to need the newspaper anymore, Mm -hmm. which was a a big deal for this guy to be getting a call from the Pope, so he's kind of happy about that. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he had a lot more um, kind rhetoric regarding the just mis... Uh, dis, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Unfortunate people? The disadvantaged people? <laughs> uh, the poor unfortunate souls? Poor unfortunate souls, Was, it, was yeah. his rhetoric, uh, the men up there don't like a lot of blather? <laughs> yeah. They think a girl who gossips is a boy. Yes, and man, it's not preferred for ladies not to say a word. And after all, dear, what is idle prattle for? Come on, they're not all that impressed with conversation. True gentlemen avoid it when they can. Did you know that they're doing a Little Mermaid concert? I just found out about this last night from uh, Terry Bloss, a Portland cartoonist who's going to be on Sewers of Paris shortly. But anyway, he was telling me last night that Disney's doing a concert, a Little Mermaid concert, with Rebel Wilson as Ursula. You did tell me that, and I still don't know who she is. She's good. Okay. Anyway, moving on to Mm -hmm. the Pope. Oh, yes. Uh, So He he admits that in the past he's been a nasty. (laughs) They weren't kidding when they called him Willowitch. But you'll find that now of days, he's mended all his ways, repented, seen the light, and made a switch. True. Yes. Listeners, you can't see this, but James just lovingly touched me. It was very uncomfortable. <laughs> it was meant to be an evil seduction. Yeah, I don't know. It, it kind of, it was, it was definitely seductive. I'm definitely attracted to you now. Well, the Pope fortunately knows a little magic. It's a talent that he always has possessed. Now it's in his hat. Anyway. Sorry, you just made me laugh weirdly. I did. I, I like, tried to stifle the laugh and it just went out my ears. Went out your butt. The <laughs> sound of things. When he was first poked, uh-huh. uh, somebody asked him about gay couples and stuff like that. and he's, or, or women priests and, you know, um, socially progressive stuff. And he was like, well, if somebody wants to be a Catholic, who am I to judge? And so you have that wrong. Uh, and the media had that wrong, by and oh, large. Really? Uh, yeah, I mean, so what I saw, the most accurate reporting on that is that he was asked what they, he was going to do about gay priests. Okay. And he said that if somebody's heart is pure and they are seeking God, I'm paraphrasing, this isn't literally what he said, but if somebody is seeking God, who is he to judge? Which is just a nicer coat of paint on the the regular old catechism. There's nothing new there. Okay. Well, no, exactly. They weren't asking about gay couples. So people heard nicer sounding language around the same idea. Uh So, I mean, contrast this to Ratzinger and who was before him, Pope John Paul, um, who were responsible for something that's known in the gay community, fleetingly in the gay community. Not a lot of people are even aware of this as the rat letter. Okay. Uh, The rat letter was... It was signed with huge balls. Just a big ball print. 
Yep. That was the Pope's signature. That's how he signed everything. He just, he would teabag an ink pot, and then he would teabag a, a, a Vatican epistle. No, wasn't that, like, isn't that, isn't that one of those, like, ancient things, like, ancient Roman Catholic traditions, is the Pope always has a rat on hand and an inkwell. No. Whenever he needs to sign something, he grabs the rat, dips it in the inkwell, and then splats it on the paper, and that's how he signs documents? He does. Those are the rat letters, and those rats have to wear Pope hats, too. <laughs> they wear a big miter. <laughs> my goodness uh, they eat cheese off a golden platter so the rat letters were these yeah. really unpleasant rhetoric about lgbt people in general mm-hmm. and so John was it Paul, intrinsically disordered and inherently evil i think that was it yes so people were accustomed to papal leadership uh saying really unpleasant things about gays and so who am i to judge it sounded like an amazing tonal shift and i think mm-hmm. it is a tonal shift but i mean it it's is. not like a doctrinal shift that is exactly what it is. It's a tonal shift, not a doctrinal shift. And for all the fun I've had at the expense of the Catholic Church, a tonal shift is not insignificant. A, you know, when it when the tone changes for an organization as big as the Catholic Church and an organization that is supposed to have a phone, a, a bat phone to God, um, that's a big deal. Uh, so yes, going from intrinsically evil and inherently disordered um, to who am I to judge is a big deal for the followers. Um, But it really doesn't change the workings of the church at all. No, no. Church still, like, just to let everybody down gently, the church is still opposed to LGBT people marrying and kind of existing, really. But uh, Well, you're just supposed to be celibate and go into the priesthood, maybe, Mm -hmm. where uh, repressing your sexual desires will not lead to any unfortunate results. Yep. Um, and also, to be clear, this the, the cool pope, as he's known, the pope who was on the cover of The Advocate, mm-hmm. uh, uh, also has said things like uh, adoption by gay couples is... Oh, no, 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 marriage. He was talking about marriage. He, he called adoption by gay couples uh, child abuse. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when he was talking about marriage, uh, he said that it was a, a satanic plot. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, he's... And this was years ago. So he's never really been a great friend to the LGBTs. Sure. However... When he was saying those things years ago, he was trying to get on Ratzinger's good side. Mm. Um, You know, I mean, one of the things about the hierarchy of the church is that it's super duper political. Mm -hmm. And if the man in charge uh, has a particular tone that Mm -hmm. he is striking, and I can say man in charge and not person in charge, it's not sexist here because it's not going to be a woman. Um, (laughs) It's not sexist at all, is it? No. Um, To say the man in charge. So, uh, yeah, when the man in charge is setting a particular tone, then the the cardinals and bishops underneath want to match that tone because it is advantageous to them. And as we've seen with people who dissent from uh, the current pope, uh, he punishes them. Mm. Uh, as is his want. He can reassign um, high-ranking church officials to be like the Knight of Malta or something and just go F off to some island where no one will ever hear from you again. Honestly, that sounds wonderful. Sure. Yeah, I want to be the Knight of Malta. The Knight of the Malt Milkshake. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Do you think he gets as many malt milkshakes as he wants? Uh, that is the... That is the privilege and the curse of the Knight of Malta is that milkshakes are materializing everywhere and he has to drink them all. But only at night. But only at night. He's a werewolf. Well, that's the other curse of the Knight of Malta. <laughs> uh, yeah, so anyway, so uh, the Pope uh, issued um, some form of document uh, that has a Latin name that I don't really understand, but you would probably know what it is. Um, and he had a bunch of things to say about marriage and family. Uh-huh. Um, good news for heterosexuals who got divorced. Yes. Uh, if you want to get communion, maybe we can work on that, rather than the priest saying, nope, sorry, you've been divorced. No communion wafer for you. That's not really how it goes, but yeah. Uh, he basically, he says... Um, that- I mean, I'll tell you, I was at a Catholic mass yeah. recently for a funeral, and there were some people up there getting communion that, uh, I don't know, if the... 
<laughs> the priest would really have to be looking the other way. Multiple were not Catholic. Oh. So I don't know what... I mean, sure, yeah, why not? I don't know, free meal? Well, exactly, yes, a little uh, hors d'oeuvre. It doesn't, like, burst into flames on the tongue if you, like, if you had a divorce? Oh, when you're a kid, you're kind of taught that that's, like, a, a thing that might happen. Metaphorically, but really, but metaphorically, but really. But um, they really but reallys, right? What do you mean? Like, there are, there are people who believe that, like, transubstantiation, and it actually is oh, well, the body. Oh, well, and... you have to... At every Mass, you affirm that you believe in transubstantiation. That is just part of the Mass. Okay. And I struggled with that as a kid because I was in uh, First Communion classes and they were talking about how you will receive the body of Christ and you will eat it. And I was like, but it's not like, you know, I raised my hand. I'm like, it's not really his body, right? And they're like, yes, yes, it is. And I'm like, okay, but I've like, I've seen it. It doesn't look like meat. How is that his body? And they're like, oh, you know, it's this uh, mystery of faith and this miracle uh, where, you know, the priest, after um, performing the liturgy of the Eucharist, uh, what was once just bread is now the body of Christ. And um, and I, I just was like, but okay, so it's bread. And they're like, no, it is the body of Christ. And so what I thought for, for years was that they had Jesus in like a freezer somewhere and they put him in one of those deli slicers mm. um, and they were slicing off these thin little uh, discs of Jesus. And because he was magic, uh, it was like the loaves and the fishes, just a never ending supply of discs. And I would ask, I would ask multiple CCD teachers, it's not really his body, right? And the answer they have to give is no, it's, it is. I think eventually someone was like, well, it looks like bread, and it tastes like bread, but it's not bread. That sounds... It's tofurkey. <laughs> like, it's got all the texture and quality. I can't believe it's not bread. <laughs> That's the secret ingredient. Christ. I don't know. I, I guess the, the so what happened this week is that uh, the Pope was like, uh, so you can have some of that not bread. Yeah. Uh, priests, you can... He, he said essentially... Um, that uh, the communion is not a prize for the perfect, but a consolation for the imperfect. Sure. And this is, again, a tonal shift with this pope that I do think, uh, for all the, the shit I'm giving the church, is important. Because there are billions of people who listen when the pope speaks, and when the pope strikes a tone as the chief executive of Catholic Incorporated, it does reverberate through the entire organization um, and it may not change the workings of the church too terribly much, but I, that that stuff does hit the members, and it does have an impact. So I'm having a bit of fun at the Pope's expense, but um, you can take it. I know, like uh, like in Faust, when the devil uh, makes Faust invisible, and the two of them go to the Vatican and tickle the Pope. That sounds amazing. Uh, that's just you know, it's just it's me and the devil. Having a little tickle. You look a bit like the devil right now with this beard. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Oh, it is a little pointy. Well, so do it you. Is are we two devils? Are we, we, might devil be, we, we might be invisible devils. Oh, oh, my goodness. Can we incorporate this into our bedroom play? Oh, the baby love to do a little devil play. Right. Oh, baby. Shutting it down. Scene. Oh. So, anyway, uh, the Pope said uh, regarding gay marriage this mm-hmm. week... Uh, this is a quote of a translation from the Latin because, uh, you know, to, to make the church more accessible, yeah. they write everything in Latin. He wrote lorem ipsum. <laughs> yes. Uh, semper ubi sub ubi. Uh, he wrote, as for proposals to place unions between homosexual persons on the same level as marriage, there are absolutely no grounds for considering homosexual unions to be in any way similar or even remotely analogous to God's plan for marriage and family. So 
that's pretty clear. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's different from like, come on, guys, let's burn him at the stake. But uh, yeah, so just in case you were wondering, Catholic Church still uh, Roman Catholics not uh, not really down with gay marriage. Well, sure. I mean, the, the, the church was wrong about what the sun was for far longer than it probably should have been, and the, the shape of the planet, and uh, any number of other things. So, uh, the fact that it's holding on to that really is no big concern. And my understanding, and I could be wrong, is that this is the end of a long process, that the church actually was having a bunch of meetings and... Um, not hearings necessarily, but I guess um, kind of close to hearings, where uh, they were, the Pope strongly encouraged the Vatican to open up and have discussions about family and ways that they can be more inclusive. And the Cardinals were basically, nope, we're going to use these meetings to just solidify the position we already have. Um, But we we will be more inclusive where divorce is concerned, and also where annulments are concerned. So, Catholic Church, um, I don't know if you're aware of this, has this, or had this notion that uh, once you are married, there is no unmarrying, because the flesh God has made one, no man can sunder. And so, whether you're divorced or not legally has no bearing. If you were married, um, and then you remarry, you are committing adultery. Mm -hmm. You are committing bigamy. And so, they had this process, uh, and you may recall that uh, this caused a, a bit of a stir in England, at one point in time. You talk about Eurovision? Yes, yes, yes. The church's position on marriage had a, a major influence on Eurovision. Okay. That's what Waterloo's about. <laughs> so if you were a divorced person, the way to remarry or to get back in the good graces of the church was to get an annulment, which was basically the church would say, you were never married in the first place. Um, it wasn't a real marriage. So God never put your flesh together. So sure, man can take it asunder. Which just creates all these... Lo- it's like a logic circus. Because children who were conceived in a marriage that was later annulled are still considered legitimate, because this is a thing that we still have to think about in 2016, um, are still considered the product of a legitimate marriage because at the time the parties believed they were married. And so the children are okay, but the marriage technically never took place. So you, you just end up in this weird limbo of... There's a bunch of the th- things where the church is like, well, you thought you were married. So, like, all that sex you were having w- technically wasn't premarital sex. So that wasn't a sin. Or if it was, it was just a little baby boo-boo sin. Not a big daddy sin. Uh, but anyway, so uh, you would think, with divorce rates being as high as they are, that annulments would be a very popular uh, product that the church was offering that people would want. And in fact, they are. So the church used to charge a lot of money. I think it might have been upwards of $1,000 for an annulment, which, you know, is not huge in comparison to a Toyota Celica, but is huge uh, for somebody who maybe doesn't have a ton of disposable income and is trying to get out of a terrible marriage and remarry somebody better. So I believe another thing that they did to be more inclusive was either lower or in some cases eliminate that charge so that this particular product is now more accessible. So if you are divorced... Maybe you can have communion, and you can also maybe get an annulment a little bit easier. This sounds like what happens on a soap opera when they fire all the writers and they bring in a whole new staff and they have to figure out how to undo all the bad storylines from the last batch of writers. Mm -hmm. And so they retcon everything and it was all a dream and someone else had amnesia and the rules are all changed. Someone else was an evil twin. And uh, it well, sure is a spaghetti pile of rules and logic. Well, that business is how you get into having heaven, hell, limbo, and purgatory. Um, the latter two, I think, have been retconned at this point, but I may not be 
totally correct about that. But limbo was where unbaptized babies go, because obviously, um, until very recently, babies died all the time. Uh, it was very common for babies to die, and often they would die before they were baptized. And so, do they go to hell because they were never baptized? because that's where people who were not saved and baptized go, created a logic problem. So instead, they go into this void where... It sounds better. They are neither happy nor sad, uh, where there's just sort of a nothingness, but it's not bad. So that's where unbaptized babies go. This is a nightmare. Uh, it really is. <laughs> like, it's just a void full of crying babies? That, that well, is hell. They, hell, they, hell, is, hell is other people's babies. They are not, uh, they may be, they're not screaming and crying, I don't think. They're just neutral. Everything's just, nu- okay. just neutral. So it's that episode of The Simpsons where they send Maggie to the Ayn Rand daycare, and at the end, Homer walks in, oh. and it's just a room full of babies staring at him. It's like a hundred babies just silently staring staring at him. It's that, but they're all Anne Getty's pictures. <laughs> it is just a void full of babies in lettuce leaves, staring blankly and having no emotions whatsoever. Okay. And just dead silence. You're the Hieronymus Bosch of our time. A sea of floating Anne Getty's babies. <laughs> silence. No emotion. I'm actually crying right endlessly, now because this is so scary. Endlessly. Babies. Because there's so many babies who have died. All the dead babies. I can't deal with this. All the dead babies. Okay. Limbo. Uh, And then you have purgatory, which is for um, people who were mostly good, but maybe didn't get to confession right before they died. So according to the rules, um, let's say you are a a true saint. You are uh, Ralph Nader, uh, America's greatest hero. Sure. He did some good things. He did some bad things. He did no bad things. So his... So... One of the sin metaphors that Catholics will use, I don't know if they still did, they did this in like the 50s, is that your soul is like a bottle of milk. They probably don't use this anymore because milk doesn't come in bottles anymore. Mm, uh, but it's, for babies. it's pure white. Now let's leave aside for a second the, what the colors here are connoting. Your soul is pure and white, and each sin is like a little drop of food coloring that goes in and stains the soul dark, and they accumulate over time. And the only way to wash them away and get back to that that white bottle of milk is to uh, go to confession. And then you are you are washed clean, if you're really sorry. And Boss Nass is your is your priest. Usa no doing the sinting. Clean. So we're we're getting a little far afield from marriage equality. But we are, but let me just wrap this point up, and then we'll come back to it. So you you are polluted with sin. Your milk bottle is cloudy, right? But let's say you've lived your whole life with uh with a white bottle of milk, and then at the at the very end, you don't know it's your final day. Ralph Nader doesn't know it's his final day, but he uh, steals a pack of gum from a little girl and laughs and laughs. Oh, he's finally got a taste of freedom, and at that very moment. <laughs> Optimus Prime runs over him. He is unsafe at any speed, and he's dead. That one mortal sin of having stolen the gum and loved it, Nader's going straight to hell. Doesn't matter how white his his milk was, he's going straight to hell. And uh, he didn't go to confession, and them's the rules. So purgatory is, no, 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 no. He doesn't go to hell. He goes to another place of suffering and misery that's sort of hell-adjacent. It's, it's... Um, it's hellish. Sure, it's like the tender knob in San Francisco. It's not the tenderloin, 
but it's not Nob Hill, not by a long shot. It's more tenderloin than Nob Hill. He goes, Ralph Nader ends up in the tender knob. I mean, it's just the tenderloin by another name. Okay. But the thing is, he can leave eventually after he has suffered enough for stealing the gum. And time was, you could buy your way out of it sooner with indulgences. So if you gave the church a lot of money when you were alive, or if your family gave them a lot of money, then they could basically, like Tom Nook style, pay down your time in purgatory. Well, isn't that nice? Uh, Anyway. That's good news for people with a lot of money. That is the good news. Uh, That is the good news Jesus was talking about. If you have a lot of money, you can get to heaven faster if you died with sin. Oh, being rich is great. That's the that's the good news. Um, wasn't that the prosperity gospel? Oh yeah, yeah. So speaking of babies and procreation and stuff, mm-hmm. uh, this seems to be part of the justification. We're, to be clear, we were speaking about dead babies. Yes. If you want to talk to a live baby, oh boy, I'm healed from the boudoir, and I want to do deep kissing with tongues. Okay, so one of the justifications that the church uses Ugh. for opposing gay people getting married. Ugh is that these acts cannot produce offspring. They are not fertile and procreative. Mm-hmm. That is one of the church's arguments against any kind of sex that is not a uh, missionary position in the course of marital congress. But what about this? The Pope also said this week, procreation and adoption are not the only ways of experiencing the fruitfulness of love. Sure. And that is why it is okay for infertile people to get married and have sex. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that's kind of going to cause a conflict with their opposition to gay marriage? I mean, I'm sure that they'll have no trouble talking Mm. their way out of it, but, I mean, if procreation and adoption aren't the only things necessary for a good marriage, then gay people... Oh, well, I think that uh, this goes back to that thing that was happening during all the marriage equality trials of when you challenge the notion that procreation is essential to marriage... What opponents of marriage equality can say is that it is an act that is open to procreation, whereas bum-bum sex is never open to procreation, or or a little oralingus is never open to procreation. But uh, the pee-pee in the vulva is an act that definitionally is open to procreation in a way that uh, the poo-poo pee-pee sex sex is not. Okay, well, that seems like gibberish. Well, I mean, you have an act that under most circumstances can produce a child mm-hmm. and an act that can never produce a child. So, I mean, if I'm it's... I'm not saying they're the same. Oh, no, I'm not either. But I'm just saying that if it is a binary and one is on and one is off, one can produce a child and one can't produce a child. And you're not going to look at any nuance in between there. Just one of these acts can produce a child and one of these acts cannot produce a child. I think that's where they go with it. Even if you are infertile, you are committing a marriage act that the act, by its definition is open to the production of a child. Well, it seems like a very comforting way of reducing the world. Have you just summed up religion? Maybe I have. There you are, folks. There you have it. Uh, That's the slogan for religion. A very comforting way to reduce the world. Yes. So uh, the Pope has a new friend, or he's going to have a new friend visiting his house for a little sleepover. Is it a rat? Uh, It's someone who might have some words to say to him about gay marriage. If if they happen to to meet in the hallways, if they happen to, to bump into each other, they might not. Uh, Bernie Sanders is going to the Vatican. Oh, how nice for him. Yeah, isn't that nice? It just uh, Coincidentally, just a few days before the New York primary. I mean, yep. it's really, like, what are the odds? Well, he- so, I, I will say that Bernie's economic point of view mm. and this Pope's, uh, I think, are in line. I agree. I, I think, like, and Bernie himself, like, is making a big deal about that. Uh, mm-hmm. He's saying things like, 
uh, you know, if you think I'm a socialist, wait till you see this guy, the Pope. And wait till you see Jesus. <laughs> I mean, my goodness, you want to go all the way down the line. Uh, Get a load of this guy. Yeah, yeah. With whom Bernie may have more than one thing in common. Sure. Uh, so, yeah, so Bernie's going to speak at specifically at a organization in the Vatican that is not run by the Vatican, but was mm-hmm. founded by the church. And, you know, all these things are kind of interconnected. Right. Da Vinci uh, Code. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he's going to be speaking at a organization that uh, advocates for social justice within the Catholic Church. Not not no, no, adjacent to the Catholic Church. Not within it, mm-hmm. but adjacent to the Catholic Church. And it's, it's all run by obviously members of the like high-ranking church leadership oh you don't have to tell me how this shit okay, works okay you know you know i'm saying this for the listeners yes uh so bernie's gonna go talk to them there seems to be a little bit of disagreement about whose idea it was to get him over there mm-hmm. uh, according to the person running this organization uh bernie reached out uh, in a very discourteous way to uh ask that they have him there uh-huh. uh, according to someone else with the organization they invited him first uh, and of course, Bernie's people are saying, like, no, they invited us. We didn't ask to go to the Vatican, we, but they reached out. So, of course, we might as well say yes. Sure. It would be rude. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, so he's going over. He's going to talk about uh, social justice and economic equality. Uh, maybe he'll throw in a few things about uh, uh, some of his other policies, but I kind of doubt it. I, I doubt it as well. I think he's probably going to stick to economics, um, where I think he and the Pope are uh, very much in line. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like when I was in high school and I went to a Catholic high school, if I haven't made that abundant clear on this podcast you know we had a class in social justice and uh sort of economic justice as well and the church's position on that is pretty much uh like just down the line what bernie sanders has been saying and it's been that way for a really long time uh it's just that neither uh john paul ii who was a big fan of reagan or ratzenberg really wanted to again this is a tonal thing really wanted to elevate that part of the message. They liked powerful people being their buddies. Mm -hmm. Um, And this Pope, I think, does actually give a hoot about people who are not powerful, which is a shift, and it is a positive shift. Again, I know I keep ragging on the church, but uh, it is a positive shift to have a Pope who is interested in policies that benefit uh, the overwhelming majority of people who are members of the church and not a tiny, tiny number of people who run it and are friends with world leaders. Yes. But also, to be clear, this was not just defining marriage, endorsing Bernie Sanders for president. Uh, we, we have no. not. No, we have uh, complete disinterest in endorsing one or the other uh, of the Democratic candidates. Well, I think we endorse both. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I don't know about you. I endorse yeah. both. Yeah. Um, I have a preference. For either. Yeah. But my preference uh, is not that big a deal, to be honest no, with you. No, it is not relevant. <laughs> uh, yeah, so they're both they're both great. They're both yeah, they're both the bee's knees. Uh, did, wait, did I sound like really facetious when I said that? Because I actually think like we're really lucky to have two excellent candidates. No, you you just sounded kind of exhausted, which I think is completely fair. Because like, I slept all day. I don't know what you did all day. Oh, the baby did some fun ones. No, I think what I mean is you sound exhausted and exasperated with all the arguing about, like, oh, Hillary's better, oh, Bernie's better. No, whatever. They're both fine. They're both great. I I like them both. Uh, There are reasonable discussions to be had about Mm -hmm. the pros and cons of both of them, but they, I I think, are two excellent candidates. Yeah. And and hooray for us. I mean, yeah. what a terrible time. Well, I mean, the other... Republican. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, to not have one in the bunch. Yeah, I don't know. That's I, a good candidate. 
Um, there were people who I think liked Rubio, uh, but he just was not very exciting. And this is a season where mm. exciting is all that seems to matter. Yeah, I think that's the future. Mm-hmm. I think that's the future of our dumb country. Yep, and that's why we're going to see uh, next uh, next presidential race. It's going to be, uh, I don't know, Donald Trump versus Gallagher. <laughs> he does poll really well with watermelons. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, wait, he wouldn't, would he? No, no, the watermelons hate him. Oh, Fortunately, uh, we've uh, dispensed with the one watermelon, one vote uh, doctrine. Mm. Uh, (laughs) Because he smashed them all. Yeah, yeah, there's no one left. Uh, Anyway. He's big with poncho manufacturers. Yes, yes, he's in the pocket of big poncho. Ponchos, tarps. Wasn't tarp the technical name of the bank bailout? I think that's correct. Ah, see, Gallagher. We have him to Gallagher is responsible for bailing out the banks. Thanks, Gallagher. Uh, Puerto Rico. We've never been there. It seems like a nice place. Uh, Sure. Not a great place right now, legally speaking, for LGBTs. Mm-hmm. Uh, their court system is not very happy with them. Okay, uh, why not? citizens. Uh, so, as you may have heard, uh, the U.S. Supreme Court said that you have to let gay people get married now. Sure. Uh, there was a judge in Puerto Rico that said, no, we don't. Okay, but see, I don't know what the deal is there, because I know Puerto Rico is not a state, mm-hmm. but it is affiliated with the United States in a way I don't... It is strange and complicated. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, there's a lot of, like, legal argle-bargle that you don't have to worry about. Mm-hmm. Uh, but essentially, uh, here, here's how it works. Here's, here's what happened. Is last month, in March, uh, a judge in Puerto Rico, a federal judge, uh, ruled that uh, Puerto Rico is an unincorporated territory. Okay. Is the term that he used. Uh, which means that some parts of the Constitution do not apply. And so what he's what this judge did is he cited this kind of obscure thing called the insular cases. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were a series of opinions from about 110 years ago. Uh, sure, probably when there were a lot of unincorporated territories. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, that held that territories populated by alien races are not entitled to constitutional protection. Oh, boy. So uh, these are completely racist opinions that sure. are still on the books, but uh, really are not considered binding precedent. They've been eviscerated over the last uh, century. Mm-hmm. Um, but that did not stop this judge from citing them as evidence that uh, Puerto Rico does not have to extend full constitutional protections, full U.S. federal constitutional protection to its citizens. What about a territory full of Gungans? I, I don't know. I, the, difficult negotiations to uh, to, to secure that uh, alliance. Negotiations? We've lost all communications. So here's the problem with his ruling, among many. Uh, uh-huh. Even if Puerto Rico was an unincorporated territory, which oh, it isn't. Oh, okay, okay. I thought that it was. So he's saying it. He's saying that it is. He's saying that it is. Okay. It isn't. Okay. Uh, it what is, is it? Uh, according to the United States, uh, it is a it is sovereign. And this is, again, okay. getting to that argle-bargle that you don't need to worry about. Uh, it I'm is, curious. It is incorporated. Uh, incorporated it, into what? Into the United States. It is a part of the United States. It, you cannot say uh, this is just a, a bunch of real estate that doesn't have any laws. Is essentially what unincorporated territory would mean in this context. And it's ridiculous. Okay, but it's sovereign. So is it part of U.S. sovereignty or is it sovereign unto itself? Uh, it's complicated. It's sovereign okay. unto itself as part of the U.S., what? That's confusing, isn't it? Sure. Uh, but, is this turning into a CGP Grey video? Uh, he probably maybe, has one on this. I wonder if he's done one. Yeah. It, it, it is, it is it's ridiculous. His, it's now. his wheelhouse. Yeah. So, even if it was an unincorporated territory, which it isn't, mm-hmm. uh, fundamental rights, fundamental constitutional rights would still apply. Okay. And Kennedy, in Kennedy's uh, Obergefell ruling, uh-huh. he made it clear 
that due process and equal protection in the context of marriage for LGBT people is a fundamental right. Okay. So, uh, this judge ruled uh, against marriage equality in Puerto Rico last month. On the basis of being an unincorporated territory. Mm Mm-hmm. So, the first... It is settled that it is not. Exactly. Okay. So the first district court uh, has now issued a response to this. This is the appellate court. That's one step above. Oh, they're in the U.S. appellate court system? Yes. It doesn't sound very unincorporated. No, it doesn't. It sounds fairly incorporated. It does. I mean, again, I don't know what I'm talking about, but that just sounds like uh, it's incorporated into some kind of system. Quote, the district court's ruling errs in so many respects that it is hard to know where to begin. Mm -hmm. Uh, That is how they begin. Uh, Another quote in there. The district court both misconstrued that right and directly contradicted our mandate. Uh, So the first district court basically did what's known as a bench slap, uh, which is when a judge says, not only am I ruling against you, but I'm ruling against you and you're an idiot. Is that uh, also what they say when after a football game, the coach rubs the, the yes. player's butt? Yes, that is that is what a bench slap is. That's the mm-hmm. origin of the term. Yes. Uh, so the first district has uh, ordered this judge, uh, well, has ordered Puerto Rico not only to, uh, basically said, you have to rule the way we're telling you to rule right now. Mm-hmm. And also, this judge who ruled this way, he can't rule on this case anymore. He's off oh, the case. Interesting. Yes. Okay. Well, so what... Um... Okay, so what happens in that situation? What happens next? Open and shut case. I mean, it is done. The, the case is done. I mean, they could appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court. Who uh, who are who are the litigants in this? So, government officials in Puerto Rico are the ones who would be responsible for uh, appealing this uh, because this case was brought by. Uh, a group called, uh, I think it's called uh, Puerto Rico para Todos, okay. uh, who were basically con- challenging the constitutionality of the marriage ban in Puerto Rico. Uh, and so the government of Puerto okay. Rico has to respond to that. Okay, so just so I have the chronology straight on this, we have uh, Puerto Rico para Todos is an organization. They are in favor of marriage equality, correct? Correct. Puerto Rico has a marriage equality ban. Correct. So Puerto Rico para Todos sues the government in order to get the ban overturned, or at least to challenge the constitutionality of the ban. I'm not 100% sure if lawsuit is exactly the right term, but they... They challenge the law, claiming, I assume, somebody was injured, because normally there has to be an injury, right? Yes. Okay. So, whether that's a suit or not, they claim that there's been an injury, and they are bringing a case against the government. The government now... that, That triggers a response from the government. From the Solicitor General. And that brings the case to this judge... Mm Mm-hmm who claimed that Puerto Rico is an unincorporated territory and therefore doesn't have to follow the laws of the Supreme Court. Well, that some aspects of the U.S. Constitution do not apply. Ah, I see. The ones he doesn't like. The ones he doesn't like. Got it, got it, got it. Yeah. Okay. And so that was appealed, Mm -hmm. and the appellate court said, uh, that's stupid, Mm -hmm. and you can never hear this case again. Go away. Yes, they said, you have to enter this judgment, as we say, and the case must be reassigned to a randomly selected judge. Okay. And And it's possible that the government may appeal. The Solicitor General could uh, not appeal, but could petition the U.S. Supreme Court for a rehearing. Got it. It would be insane for them to do that. That's what I was going to say. What's the likelihood that they'll do that? Infinitesimal. It is practically zero. Okay. So that now brings me to hooray? Yes. Is that victory in Puerto Rico is what you're saying? It is. Oh, well. Hooray. Hooray. Okay. 
yeah, congratulations to everyone in Puerto Rico for uh, and our condolences to you on this terrible judge that you have that is probably going to be ruling on other cases. And well, we have enough terrible judges in the mainland U.S. Yeah. to uh, to to fill a barrel. Yes, yes let's fill do. up a barrel with, with terrible justice. Yes, d- terrible justice. Yes, that's that's, that's our we'll have system. next to our barrel of monkeys. We'll have a barrel of terrible justice. Yeah. That's that's a reality show. Terrible justice. Oh, it would be so good. Just a bad judge ruling horribly. I, I don't want it to be a reality show. I want it to be a reboot of those Sam Raimi style action adventure <laughs> shows that aired at like nine PM on mm-hmm. USA. Mm-hmm. Like Is Cleopatra twenty five twenty five or Jack of All Trades. So would it be like a revenge show where like there's some vigilante who is avenging the bad rulings and getting some sort of revenge on the judges? Or would it be just a really bad judge who in some sort of action way issues terrible rulings i think it's a lawyer who doesn't understand the law and so he just breaks them all in his pursuit of people he doesn't like i think that's great terrible justice yeah terrible justice and uh is that his name um his name is terry terry bolson and his sidekick is a spunky kid no his sidekick is a boudoir baby terry ball you made the baby poop do we have any other unfinished business to go over this week baby needs a nap I've been very excited by the conclusion of season two of Rebels, which we're coming oh. to late. Whoa, quite a segue. It is, it is. It's just something that I have to mention because it's okay. so much on my mind. Sure. Um, I find myself thinking about Rebels a lot over the last few days. No, we just saw the season two finale. Let's set a little context here. You're talking about Star Wars Rebels, oh, yeah, the animated series yes. that airs on Disney XD. Yes. And has recently wrapped up the second half of its second season. Yes. Because it might just sound like you're talking about, like, Confederates. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm not talking about, like, Guerrilla warfare i'm not talking about uh the dukes of hazard star wars rebels uh has me in a tizzy sure when we watched the finale i like i grabbed your arm and i was like look at my actual goosebumps (laughs) that's having actual and then you had an actual goose in your lap it was weird i don't know this it just happens whenever i get excited i know it's like bjork and the swan you have your goose it's like the pope and a rat you go together like a pig and a poke Mm -hmm. which is probably what the pope and bernie sanders are going to do together god jeez it's a, it's an ancient religious tradition. Yes, they go down into the catacombs under Rome, and uh, one of them puts on a pig mask, and the other gets a pool cue, and he chases. <laughs> the Pope's going to have the pig mask, let's be honest, and he's just going to run through the catacombs going, Sweet, sweet! And Bernie's going to chase him with the uh, pool cue going, Gonna poke ya! we got to wrap this podcast up, because you're really turning me on right now, and I'm going to oh, pounce on you. Oh, dear. Uh, speaking of sexy podcasts, uh, I was just interviewed by the No Safe Word podcast. I'm going to be on an upcoming episode, so everybody keep your ears open for that. Mm. I was going to say keep your ears out, but that doesn't make sense. That's gross. <laughs> uh, keep your eyes out is pretty gross, too, now that I think of it. Don't do either of those things. Keep your sensory Keep organs... your peepers peeled. That's better, right? Okay. Peel your eyes. Oh, God. oh yeah. Get disgusting. one of those potato peelers and... Oh, the baby doesn't want to peel a boo-boo. So check out the No Safe Word podcast. It's a podcast about sexual practices and uh, goofy news about what's happening with sex and gays. Uh, I'm going to be on that on an upcoming episode. and uh, Along with your buddies. Along with my buddies, Amp and Bolt from What's the Safe Word, lovely series on YouTube that you should be following Watt is in the measure of electrical gooiness. Yes. Although, if you Google what's the safe word, you will find them as well. Oh, really? Yes. That's nice. How'd they pull that off? Uh, so many people link to them and misspell their title. Uh, <laughs> well. The algorithm figured it out. That's one way to do it. I guess. I huh. guess. Yeah. 
And uh, while SEO we're... tips like these can be yours if you continue <laughs> listening to Defining Marriage. And you can also listen to my other podcast, uh, Sewers of Paris. Uh, this week, my guest was H. Allen Scott, the fabulous H. Allen Scott, comedian and writer in Los Angeles, host, co-host of the Out on the Lanai podcast, where they talk every week about an episode of The Golden Girls. Do you have a favorite episode of The Golden Girls? Oh, it's the one where they do the turkey lurkey chicken licking mm. beauty pageant where they all come out dressed as uh as, as edible birds. That is such a good one. I'm really into the one where it's like a talent show. Like I love the yeah. episodes where they found a reason for the girls to sing and dance. Miami is nice is pretty good too. It is such a good episode. Uh oh, Miami you're cuter than an intrauterine. Yes. Uh, I think my favorite might be I was just talking um to Terry Bloss, the Portland artist, about uh this episode. Uh, the one where Blanche finds a piano bar. It's like a seafood piano bar. It's Dorothy, but go on. Oh, Blanche finds it Blanche first. Finds You're it right. First. Sorry. And sorry. she's the belle of the ball. She's very popular at this bar. Yes. And then Dorothy goes. Suddenly Dorothy's the popular one because Dorothy sings and Dorothy's an amazing singer in the universe of the Golden Girls. I mean, she's not bad. Dorothy's a great singer. Oh, sure. But the idea that a bunch of straight guys gather at a piano bar in Miami to listen to a Broadway legend belt out hoofer tunes, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't quite buy it. I mean, Blanche is coming in and getting her boobs out. Like, that I understand. But, uh, oh, oh, let's forget about her. There's a Broadway legend singing, uh, I don't know, Ethel Merman's... The thing that uh, Terry was telling me about this episode that he loves, it's been a while since I've seen it, is when B starts singing, uh, Blanche has about 20 different emotions in the span of three seconds. And Rue is working so hard. And it's amazing. And Terry, like, imitated this for me. And listeners, you're just going to have to imagine uh, someone evoking 20 different emotions in the span of three seconds. Because it is incredible to see somebody do this. And we were, he, was, he showed this to me. He, he, it's he like when impression. Vigo dies at the end of uh, Ghostbusters 2. That's what the face looks like. I, I think that's a fair comparison. Um, Terry was showing me this on the back patio of the Eagle here in Seattle. And so we're surrounded by all these, like semi-naked men in jock straps and he's doing uh, Rue McClanahan impressions and it's just the gayest thing that's happened and they all turned time. and stared just like in the episode <laughs> piano came out of nowhere and he sure. started singing show tunes came right out of your butt <laughs> I just carry it just in case I need it sure it's on those little tinkly tinkly toy pianos yeah, yeah a little piano and a tiny pianist anyway listeners thank you so much for joining us I can't imagine why you continue to do so but I'm so glad that you do if you're enjoying the show please do get in touch let me know your thoughts uh, your questions your suggestions your favorite episode of the Golden Girls you can get in touch on Twitter I'm at Matt Baum you can also leave a review on iTunes those reviews put us in a lovely mood uh, and uh, they also help people find the show uh so please help us inflict this experience on as many people as possible thanks to the folks uh who left reviews and thanks to the folks who are thinking about writing reviews and are now going to do it because the sound of my hypnotic voice has lulled you into obeying my commands to flee to itunes and write a flattering review don't let the baby go off to limbo without a review please ignore the baby you can also read my book defining marriage that's on itunes it's in print or in ebook or in audiobook and you can find my sewers of paris podcast at sewersofparis.com and now by the power vested in me by the internet i hereby pronounce this podcast over <laughs>